Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Gina Kermacy from Shippick, Pennsylvania. Gina will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Lauren Milberger, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 6, Episode 19, Intoxicated. Psych defense. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder? PMS made her do it. You're not buying this, are you? What, that we can't control our emotions because we're premenstrual? Yeah, that's bull. Joining me to do just that is true crime author, the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm having... It sounds like we haven't seen each other for weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry. This episode gave me flashbacks to that time your mother walked in on us. Oh, I'm my God. I'm very sorry. <laughs> that is not a story I want to share. Hopefully she doesn't have a similar story. Rounding out our panel is our special guest from FYI, the Murphy Brown podcast. It's Lauren Milberger. Hi, Lauren. Hi. So glad to be on. So, Lauren, what's better, to watch your favorite characters grow old year after year or have them all come back at once and be surprised at how awful they look? <laughs> oh, no, that's a good question. Uh, oh, I think the latter, perhaps. It, that's a good toss-up, though, you know, because they, I mean, listen, everything, the grass is always greener, right? Everything has its pros and its cons. Because yeah. there's the thing of, oh, wow, you you you're not doing so well. Uh, and only when you look back, you know, isn't it funny how when you watch a show that's on for like 20 years and you go, this person looks great. And then you go back and you go, oh. They looked <laughs> oh. really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say I feel that way about Mariska because she's still beautiful. No, mm-hmm. no, no. That, I'm definitely never talking about Mariska. She's obviously much older now <laughs> than she yeah. was when she started this program. But Chris Maloney... Looks fantastic. He basically looks the same, but fitter. Yeah, <laughs> he did when he was on yeah. the show, and his hair isn't stupid anymore. He's probably taking the new Genics. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ageist at all. Obviously, you know, like aging is is great, like a fine wine. It's mostly you look back and you go, "Oh, they're such babies." Exactly. Yeah, that's but it. Little exactly. baby faces. <laughs> but you're so lucky to have had this Murphy Brown podcast for 30 years. <laughs> and then they come back with the yes. reboot and you've got new stuff. Yes, I, I started it before podcasting was a thing. I'm very uh-huh. prescient that way. 
Hey, Lauren, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Uh, I I didn't realize the people that I thought had been pairs were not. <laughs> I don't know if people come on the show and do that where they're like, oh, yeah, obviously these are my favorites. And then I was like, oh, well, I got to go to Lenny Briscoe because he's the first. And then, of course, I was reminded not the first. Yep. Oh. I decided to go with uh, Olivia and Stabler. Uh, maybe because mm. it was like right in front of my face because yeah. I think as a pair, they're just so great. They have great chemistry. They play well off each other. They balance. Whereas everyone else I picked, I was like, oh, I don't know if I really like the other person yeah. per se that they're with. Like they're fine. But the two of them, like you can see why, particularly in this day and age, you know, Law and Order feels a little bit like an old formula. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with the... The most love in my heart. <laughs> um, but I think it's uh, Mariska Hargitay particularly, and obviously, you know, Maloney late, before that, um, who's kept it going. And uh, Munch and Ice-T, I mean, you gotta... Totally. You gotta love them. <laughs> oh, yeah, how can you not? And who is your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I mean, absolutely right off the bat, when I think of law and order, I think of Sam Watterson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like my staple. And it's been so great to see Sam Watterson go from that to the newsroom to to Grace and Frankie, where he's so goofy. <laughs> I mean, I saw this man in Shakespeare in the Park and he's like so goofy. <laughs> and he just has such a really great range. But he has this gravitas, you know, you, mm-hmm. he's kind of like a, a warm bowl of oatmeal. Mm. So he he's he's comforting, but also like a staple. I think you're thinking of Wilford Brimley. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU, Season 6, Episode 19, Intoxicated. Well, that was a boner shrinker. (laughs) Uh, Mom burst in on teenage Carrie and her 21-year-old boyfriend, Justin, fooling around under the covers. Mrs. Denise Eldridge calls the cops to say her daughter has been raped. But Carrie says, well, they never even had sex. Those two are like magnets, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, except Juliet's too young and Romeo's too old. Any chance we can get Romeo's parents to put some pressure on them? No, they died in a car accident two years ago. Wouldn't matter. Neither one of them's ever going to admit that they did anything. Well, unless mom was in bed with them and saw what they were doing, there's no rape case. Benson and Stabler say they're not going to arrest Justin just because they don't have any proof it was rape. Denise says, you want proof? I'll give you proof. She drags her daughter to the ER to get a vaginal examination. Carrie continues to protest, and so does Benson. Well, that's when attorney Simone Bryce magically appears to shut it all down. But it seems it's Mrs. Eldridge who doesn't know the meaning of stop. (laughs) (laughs) She tries to get SVU to run DNA from Carrie's sheets and then demands Casey arrest Benson and Stabler for not arresting Justin. Well, she's not going to prosecute, so the detectives go to the apartment to give her the bad news. That's when they enter, and they find Mrs. Eldridge with her head bashed in. Earlier, Justin had been seen forcing Carrie into a stolen getaway car, fearing she's been kidnapped. Benson pleads with Simone Bryce for any information on Carrie's whereabouts, but the attorney won't help. So instead of, I don't know, putting out an APB, (laughs) Casey gets a warrant for the call record of the lawyer's phone. Justin's cell phone pinged off towers leaving north of the city. Someone called Simone from a payphone upstate, too. So going on all that solid evidence, Benson and Stabler take their time machine Chevrolet and go <laughs> to Devil's Asshole, New York, 
<laughs> they learn Justin's family have a hunting cabin there, and that's where they find the couple and arrest Justin for murder. Okay, first rule of underage girlfriend club, mm. lock the bedroom door. <laughs> Second rule of underage girlfriend club, don't talk about underage girlfriend club. Yeah. If I get a call from your school one more time, oh my God, what are you doing? I told you to stay Mom. away from my daughter, okay? Don't touch her. Calm down, Mrs. Eldridge. Uh, Lauren, I think locking the door probably would have was the first mistake. It's a huge mistake. Because, Mike, I just thought of this just now, which I didn't, was... Considering all the alcohol this woman we find out drinks, does she have a job? <laughs> so they, they, did they know that she might come home? I, yeah, I mean, obviously the two of them are not really that smart to begin with. I mean, yeah. they're in love, they're Romeo and Juliet, I guess. But this this episode really took me for a turn. I have to say, uh, it felt very much like, oh, yeah, this is the law and order I remember. Mm. Uh, this is, you know, going from one thing to another. But my question is, other than the fact that Catherine Moriarty obviously wore a wig because she didn't want to get blood on it, <laughs> uh, on her hair, once there's a murder, wouldn't they hand it over to homicide? Yeah, why is this an SVU case? It's always my question. I'm so confused. I have another question. Doesn't Justin have a place to live where they could be doing it instead? He's 21, for God's sakes. Oh, shit. That's a perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's New York. He probably has roommates. Oh, yeah. They're going like to burst that, in Like on that him. friend who's like, he just wanted my phone. He just wanted my car. Dude, you didn't ask why? <laughs> well, apparently he needs a place to get it on with his girlfriend who's a sophomore Ugh. in high school. Yep. So apparently you say a lawyer's name three times in the mirror and she appears. Yes. <laughs> Carrie Eldridge? This is a treatment room. Who are you? I'm Simone Bryce. I'm Carrie's attorney. Carrie's what? Her attorney. Carrie doesn't need an attorney. I'm a lawyer for kids and I heard that you need help. Heard from who? Anybody taken aback by the genie that was well, Simone Bryce? We find out why later Yeah, she that's the thing. Because yeah, Olivia called her. She called her, yeah. She called her Simone phone. Her Simone phone. She has like a little red phone at her desk. She pushes a button and Simone is like, poof. It's a burner. Exactly. She snaps it in half after she uses it. I'm exactly. going to say, that's, that's the one thing I did actually kind of like. I liked sort of the roller coaster that Olivia went through. <laughs> <laughs> where she's like I trust you I don't I can't believe I did I can't believe I didn't oh it's all about me <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of being all about me uh, it wouldn't be a discussion of statutory rape if Stabler didn't somehow make it about his daughters exactly it's always <laughs> yeah. about his daughters always I just keep thinking of my daughters in bed with a 21 year old ew I always do that with men ew, ew, it's, ew. it's like they can't, men can't seem to relate in stuff like this unless they have a daughter or a sister you know like me Maybe it's just not a good thing for him to be having sex with a 15-year-old. You know why, Lauren? Because it's literally the patriarchy. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was an elite squad. <laughs> I mean, they keep telling us that. I mean, that's another, that could be a spinoff, the elite squad of the patriarchy. <laughs> you know what the problem was why they didn't want to prosecute Justin? What? His crime wasn't especially heainous. Wasn't especially, <laughs> it was somewhat heinous. If he had locked the door, it never would have been discovered. <laughs> so Mrs. Eldridge brings in the comforter and says, I have the evidence that Carrie was raped. We can't make a case for rape with Carrie's bedding. But they probably have Justin's fluids all over them. Unless the fluids are on or in Carrie, we can't charge rape. Check this for fluids. Ugh. You mean a teenager's bedding? I'm sure it's covered in fluids. <laughs> Dude, we're adults. Our bedding is definitely covered in fluids. You don't have to go to the lab. <laughs> Seriously. 
Although that was the thing that I I did learn something that the the semen has to be on the person. <laughs> I never knew that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Not just in the person. It could think, be on them. I think it doesn't have to be on the person if they actually want to prosecute the, the, the perp, but they really didn't want to. This so time. that's just something they made up. Okay. I think they just made it up. I mean, I I'm, should learn my lesson. I, I, I'm used to taking my political information from the West Wing and assuming that Law <laughs> and Order also would just be like... <laughs> Let's take a look at the cast for a minute. Yes, Ooh, yes, we, please. We do have some repeat offenders. Mm. Repeat offender. Again, we're seeing Oscar nominee Kathy Moriarty as Denise Eldridge. You ungrateful little slut. I gave up everything for you. Take it easy, Keep Mrs. Your Eldridge. hands off of me. We flagged her in an episode we did. It was Amaro's 180. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which go- she played a police captain. She played a police captain with a completely different wig. no but listen she was not wearing this is the thing that bugged me she was not wearing a wig through most of the episode i know her she was not wearing a wig she didn't want to get blood on her hair and that no come on you can wash it out (laughs) what do you mean you know her i mean like i don't know her personally i say that i know her as an actress you know i've seen her around that's her hair raging bull she was an oscar yeah no yeah so did anyone notice that kathy moriarty is supposed is is credited a, hy- a hyphen with her married name? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed I mean, that. It was on- cor- IMDb says that, so maybe I missed it. But it's it's Kathy Moriarty, what is it, Gentile? Huh. Gentile? I don't know. Um, why, would, why would Kathy Moriarty? I can't, you, can, you can't imagine, like, Kathy Moriarty, like, yeah, iconic she actress, like, would ever, like, want to mess up her last name in that way, right? Really, Rebecca Lavoie? Do you ever notice <laughs> that when someone does that, they get a divorce? Yes. Oh, exactly. Immediately. Yes. So I thought, oh no, here's the curse. And so I looked it up to sort of prove my point. And actually, she is still married. So, Aww, but she great. she obviously got rid of it because you realize, like, people know you as Kathy Moriarty. That's like, it's a mouthful. I guess you exactly. know you're in love and you want to show your your put the name and hyphen. It's great, but people, you're you're a brand. People know you as that brand. I think it it's confusing. Yeah, I mean, look what happened to poor Holly Robinson Pete. Where is mm. she now? From last. <laughs> Head of the class, Holly Robinson, married that football player, Pete, and then she's Holly Robinson, Pete. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah. Never mind. Is Go she ahead. still married? <laughs> See, I, I think of like, what, what was it? Uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett Majors. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A little old school like go. that, you know, like uh, Roseanne Barr Arnold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, honey, no. Oh, no. That's not good. Uh, we also have Peter Herman as attorney Trevor Langan. And where yes. do we know Peter from? Mariska Hargitay's real life husband, yeah, Peter Herman. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. He's innocent until proven guilty. Oh, he's guilty. Yes. He's been a million episodes as a defense well, attorney. Yeah. And this is how they met, correct? That's on, yeah, on, on the show. Of, on one of these episodes. And yeah. she Aww. was like, I am Mariska Hargitay. I will marry any recurring actor I want. And that's Seriously. the one I choose. That's the one I choose. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't have the right to remain silent. <laughs> but we do have, let's see, a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's that girl. Who is the actress playing attorney Simone Bryce? It's Glenn Headley. I have not confirmed what I know, Olivia, so I am not obstructing a damn thing. Famed character actress. I can't name anything she's been in off the top of uh, my head, but she's been in uh, freaking everything. Uh, I'd like to raise my hand. I can name her entire resume. Go. Oh, go for it. Okay, so um, I first discovered her in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yes. mm. which to me is one of the premier comedic female performances. Um, 
I don't want to give too much away because I feel like the surprise is the great part of the movie. But after seeing her in that movie as a young child, I remember going, oh, we can do this. Mm. Uh-huh. Women can maybe be the one who gets it up on the men and plays a couple different characters. And uh, I still just when I saw her, I didn't know she was in the episode. I purposely did not go on IMDb before I watched it. And she showed up and I gasped because unfortunately yeah. she did pass away about three years ago. Yeah, she had a pulmonary embolism. Oh, oh is that what it was? Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't know and what some happened. of her other roles, by the way, she played Iris Holland in Mrs. Holland's Opus. That, most mm-hmm. people know her from that, and, yeah. And uh, she had a role on ER, Dr. Abby Keaton. That's, yeah. she was the one with the crutch. No, did she, no. she was the one with the, no, 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 that's, no, no, yeah, that's no, 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 I know who she was. I know. It was a short-term yeah. role. Yeah. No, I remember her from, from, she was the empathetic, like she was, she was sort of the antidote to the dickish older doctor. She was like the nice one, right? Yeah. Yes, loved her. She obviously can play nice. Yes, yeah. she's a uh, Chicago actress. She, um, I'm pretty sure she was with Steppenwolf. I may be wrong in making an assumption about all Chicago actors, <laughs> but because you know, of a certain age, you probably were at Steppenwolf. Uh, but yeah, she just she's. She's lovely, and that was it just was very yeah hurt, hurt my heart when she passed away. Her first husband was John Malkovich. Really? Yeah, uh, his own liaison with Michelle Pfeiffer during Dangerous Liaisons is what ended their marriage, uh, which is a fact that everyone is proud to have on their IMDb page. Yes, <laughs> definitely was in Steppenwolf then. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the name of the actress playing young Carrie? It doesn't matter because Justin doesn't love me anymore. I did it. I killed her. Do whatever you want with me. So we had a whole conversation about this. Yeah. Because I thought it was somebody completely different. Who did you think it was? I thought it was the actress who played Sharon Chersky in My So-Called Life because they are freaking doppelgangers. She looks exactly like Sharon Chersky from My So-Called Life. Do you remember what character that is, Lauren, from My So-Called Life? Angela's ex-best friend. Angela's oh, ex-best, ex-best friend. friend. Oh, I was yeah. thinking the friend. No, that's Rand Graff. Sharon okay. Tresky is the ex-best friend, the goody two-shoes that yeah, Angela yeah, yeah. kind of dumps but to become friends But the age would be wrong, Rand. wouldn't it? But the yeah. age yeah. would be wrong. Of course the age would be wrong. But yeah. she looks, I, I, we even did like a side-by-side screen image. Yeah. She looks exactly like her, but I know that's not who it is. Yeah, it's Danielle Panabaker. She's currently playing fan favorite to metahuman Kate Snow in her alter ego, Killer Frost, on Arrow, Flash and Supergirl. Yeah, I don't she watch any pretty of those. well. Yeah, I don't watch any of those either. <laughs> oh, well, it's really good. I mean, they had In Crisis on Infinite Earth, you know, they had to go back to Earth number one, but the, never mind. It's just too, it's too nerdy. <laughs> uh, you probably remember her from Shark and Justified, and she was the oh, bikini-clad damsel in Piranha 3DD. <laughs> no, don't remember any of those things. No? <laughs> she was in Justified? She was in Justified. I like that show. Yeah. That was a good show. Timothy Oliphant, meow. A fun fact, she graduated college at age 19 huh? uh, while having a, an acting career. Huh. Graduated high school at 14. Well, Ronan Farrow did it at 15, so. <laughs> I feel like the, there, there's sort of this young actor thing, right, where either you're like a genius and you like graduate really early, you know, you were like homeschooled or whatever, or go to Yale, mm-hmm. or you go the other way. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> You're holding up gas stations and suing your parents for the royalties. Yeah, pretty much. Now, does anyone recognize the diner owner? What diner owner? What are you talking about? When they, oh, he was really familiar. Yeah, when they went up to say, yeah. Parents have a place about two miles away. Don't know why he'd be there now, though. Hunting season's over. As soon as we came up to him, I went, oh, hello, New York character actor. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. I didn't say for anyone, but I was like, I think you've been in a lot of stuff. I think you'd be wrong. That is Jeff Brooks. He is best known for playing BJ on 
Barty the dinosaur. <laughs> you mean like that other dinosaur? Yeah, you'll remember BJ is the yellow protoceratops with the Chuck Taylor high tops and the jaunty red baseball yeah, cap. Yeah, whose name was BJ. BJ, which wasn't gross at all. Yeah, he was the he was the body <laughs> actor. He's five foot six. Okay. So obviously you remember him from that. Part. <laughs> when he's wearing a mask and like a full body dinosaur costume, he turned a certain way. He, like, has, oh. he has to be in other things, Listen, right? It's very in right now to do that. Very social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Kevin Pollack had this comedy bit about being the agent for the actor inside the Barney costume. <laughs> like what leverage you have. Like, hey, only my guy can do that. Hey, who are you going to get who can do this little thing with the arms, the short arms? Only my guy. Only my guy. Now they're walking up to the apartment oh and some God. guy yells down, Are you the police? Yes, sir. Is there a problem? I called the precinct an hour ago about the ruckus from the apartment upstairs. Are you the police? <laughs> Why? How? How do you know they're the police? Exactly. They just look like a couple. They look like Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door. They could be anybody. They could be on their way back from the market. They could be going to look, look at real estate. Their coats are buttoned up. You don't see their you badges. That's the thing. Like, listen, if it was like springtime and they're not wearing their heavy coats and maybe, you know, he could, let's just say, you know, probably not saw the badge like or the gun or the thing on the anything. But the first thing I thought of was, Olivia's wearing this big puffy coat. How do you know they're the cops? Are you a rapper? I mean, there were so many extraordinary things about that moment. The second one being that the guy was like from the 1930s. I called you an hour ago because of the ruckus upstairs. It was crazy <laughs> out of place. Horrible acting. Like some Tish student got his big break and decided to just go for it with some interpretive like period thing. So this stuff makes me mad because I've had three uh, callbacks for SVU and I have yet to book it. And uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. T- sorry. Two callbacks for SVU. One of them was for uh, like one of the ones that lasted a couple of seasons. But like I've always gotten really close. And so I'm like, what the hell, man? There's some bad acting yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Window guys want well, to. Well, that might be part of the thing. I mean, I think that's how that guy keeps his rent controlled apartment. He's pretending to be his dead grandfather. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's like a friend's thing. You know, this is my grandmother's apartment. Monica? I think he's just yelling at everybody walking by. Are you the police? Are you the police? Are you the police? He's, again, he's practicing social distancing. Yeah, it's mm. perfect. Hey, so they convince a judge to let them subpoena the phone records of a lawyer from that day. Bananas. From that morning. Yeah. Bananas. But they can't check to see if Justin owns any property. In the general direction, he's escaping. <laughs> he's 21. He doesn't own property. <laughs> His also- dead parents do. <laughs> I, barely, I barely owned a slice of pizza when I was 21. Yeah. And somehow they can say Volvo, but they can't say Lojack on this show. Like, what's going on Isn't with that? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I find it so funny. It's like what when you, the hell was it? Yeah. Like when you watch The Good Wife and you're like, it's Google. It, Jump Hub is Google. Like, come on. Why can't you say Google? Oh, The Good Wife is the bane of our podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> so what was Justin's plan? To go work in that diner forever? I, I don't know. What was, what was his plan dating no, like, a 15-year-old who apparently is bananas? Like, what is his plan generally? He's in love. <laughs> Also, where, like, where know. did they meet? <laughs> like on the playground? Instead of Tinder, Kinder Garden? Kinder. Oh, that's oh, it's bad. Ooh. That's real bad. I mean, I, I guess, we, listen, I mean, no one's really thinking about this but us, but 
this is what I love to do in my podcast is to just go into the backstory that doesn't exist. Uh, I mean, we could assume that her mother's drinking all the time. So she's maybe going out to clubs. Yeah. Mm. Maybe he didn't know she was 15, even though yeah. she does not look like she's 21. Nope. Very sorry. Yeah. So you met at a club and then he was already in love with her before he found out that she was 15. So in love. So got so in love. I'm not saying I would like you know want to be a 15 year old dating a 21 year old I think that's really gross Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but really doesn't we don't we all want someone to look at us the way Justin looks at Carrie in this episode I'll yell to you through the concrete (laughs) wall of the police interrogation room to let you you. know I still love you I love you Carrie in case I never see you again. <laughs> remember what we said. Wait, what did you say? Remember, remember we said that? Remember what we said? What? What did or you like say? Or like pounding through the wall. That was some real Romeo and Juliet shit. Just like. Remember we said we'll lie for me? each other? Isn't the whole point of those walls being cinder block that that shit yes, doesn't work? I, like I, you yeah. can't hear through them? <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. Under questioning, a love-struck Justin says he didn't kill Denise Eldridge, and Carrie is standing by her man. You have to tell me what happened. I don't know what happened. Stop protecting him. She's in shock, Olivia. We know that Justin was in your apartment. I didn't see him there. You had to. You were right outside with him when he stole the car. Why can't you just leave us alone? Because he murdered your mother. And unless you tell us what you know, he's going to get away with it. I love him. He's all I have. Munch and Finn learn Carrie often skips school to see Justin at his job in the ancient computer store. They find a (laughs) recording of a webcam video between them the morning of the murder in which Carrie is covered in blood. Mm. Justin still won't flip on his girlfriend, who is a sophomore. (laughs) In high school. Yeah, Yeah, yes, high school. (laughs) Olivia bluffs her into a confession. And when Carrie finds out it was a trick, she is so mad. Yeah. Now, here comes their defense. Carrie has a severe form of PMS. Now, I have five great jokes, but they'd all end my marriage. That's right. It's PMDD, Kevin. It's different. It's totally different. It's a real thing, man. Come on. Not to the rest of America. Oh, it is. The point is that Wong talks to her for about five minutes and he believes it. At trial, the defense is preparing to call Warner, not to talk about premenstrual dysphoria, but about whether the mom was an alcoholic. (gasps) Benson returns to the apartment and finds vodka bottles hidden everywhere. But Stabler makes the key discovery of Carrie's hidden birth control pills. It shows at the time of the murder, she was on day six of her period, (gasps) the only week Mm. of the month when she wouldn't have those PMS symptoms. Carrie admits to killing her drunk mother in a fit of rage. Later, Benson tells Novak when she was 16, she'd fallen in love with one of her mother's 21-year-old college students. During their own quarrel, her intoxicated mother came at her with a broken bottle of vodka. She escaped and got help from then-law student Simone Bryce. Though the murder conviction is almost assured, Casey offers a last-minute plea to Carrie. Simone asks, why the last-minute show of mercy? to which she motions to Olivia as if to say, she owed you one. 
the circle of life. (laughs) (laughs) So even the city's premier child legal advocate, Carrie Falls for the oldest cop trick in the book. What? Being lied to by cops? Yeah, you got ratted out. (laughs) What? And then then goes into, you bitch, you bitch. You lied to me? She can't do that, can she? They do it all the time. That's why I told you to stop. You lying bitch! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you, you lying bitch! It's like, oh, goodness, hi. Okay. Uh, (laughs) What did you think? You got some rage. Yeah, she did. Justin, man, I gotta tell you. As creepy as I think it is for a 21-year-old and a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be kind of like a saintly dude, right? Not only is he committing like statutory rape, but he's doing it with someone who just flies at you clawing randomly like, for, out of he's nowhere. He's such a gentleman. He's waiting for her. <laughs> he has not touched her, and he's not even like in one of those promise oh, clubs. Oh, come on. They were boning. They were 100% he make, boning. He made the golden promise. She had birth control. Absolutely. <laughs> you're not... You're not... Listen... Y- they were together for long enough for it to be like, well, I got birth control just like as, like, you know, just in case. <laughs> you, had, you didn't just meet. Like, they're naked in a bed. Yeah. Instead of being the evidence that she was on day six of her period, isn't it evidence that they're fucking? Yes, it is. It's that, also evidence that they're That's fucking. what I thought they were going to say when they found it. I was like, oh, we're going to go back. That's why they're still on the case because we're going to go back to a statutory rape thing. Nope. Mm. Still murder. Just the yeah. murder thing. Now, at trial, they asked Justin whether Carrie killed her mom, and he says, Justin, did Carrie tell you she killed her mother? Answer the question, Mr. Sharp. I don't want to. Mm. Oh, you can do that? No. That's why he was held (laughs) in contempt. contempt. (laughs) They'd have to be married, but of course, she's 15, so they can't get married. Right. Well, I mean, in New York State. I really want Lauren to get on an episode of SVU. It's all I can think about now is that she was called back twice and didn't get on. I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on that. Yeah, I wonder, were you going to be a victim? Do you know or, which episodes uh... you were called back for? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm derailing this whole thing. I can't stop thinking about the fact that you said that. You'd have to cut it out, but I can tell you. Um, <laughs> so there was a... Yeah. Okay, so the point of the story is you got to work on your I found a dead body face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I mean, that's okay. every episode, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they always have somebody like that. <laughs> or, or my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. <laughs> so I did check, and yes, a man wrote the script yes. about a girl Shocking. who has rag rage. Oh, stop it. Uh, PMDD is real. I, right. Is she gets though? all period strong. And is it <laughs> Can I just say, Kevin, I thought you were going to say it was a period drama. Oh, 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 ma'am. Of course, Huang, who never met a dysphoria he didn't like, Listen, says, it's, yep. it's cutting edge, and it's going to be in the next DSM-5. Sweet. <laughs> Seeing Believer story? It's consistent with PMDD. It could have triggered a manic outburst. But what about the calm after the storm? Carrie was dissociating. I read her medical reports. Heavy cramping and migraines are documented. If you add to that the mood swings and the fact that she was premenstrual when she killed her mother, then it's classic PMDD. Oh, come on. It's B.D. Wong. He just, he's just so, like, such a calming presence. He's the best. He's like a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, he's there also- you go. Everyone's a bowl of oatmeal. I'm going to regret that, aren't I, that I said that? He's, uh, he's also uh, pretty gullible because it's like, so slow your roll, Wong. You got it, you got it wrong. But he loves everyone. That's a, he's, he's, he's a very caring, yeah. he wants to believe. 
he didn't get it wrong. He just got it wrong that that was what caused this murder. Like she but, has the thing, and because when she describes, oh, him, oh no, no, I thought she made pill. it up. No, she has the thing, oh. but that's just not why she killed her mother. I mean, that's okay, what that I was took not away. clear to me. He believes her that she has the thing because she does have the thing. She just didn't have it that day. So are you saying a woman lied about her menstrual cycle to get out of something? <laughs> Okay. You mean like me with Jim, my entire high school career? <laughs> of all the episodes for me to be on, this is tough. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. Mm. So Benson goes back to the apartment, which, by the way, still has crime scene tape everywhere. Yes. Blood everywhere. Yes. I guess they're never going to Can know, she touch that. everything, though? Like, I know uh, she, she takes all of the bottles out. Right. She starts finding vodka bottles everywhere. It's ridiculous. Like they're Easter eggs. Yes. The hamper and the couch and the goddamn chandelier. Yes. I have a question. Yeah. I, is this the Grey Goose clown car? Who <laughs> was mom hiding them from? Her daughter obviously knew she was an alcoholic and drank all the time. Who is she hiding them from? And at some point, point, are they no longer hidden when they are literally everywhere? When you open every drawer and every cabinet and every light fixture and there's bottles inside all of it. Like, they're not hidden anymore. Why is this couch so lumpy? Ow. <laughs> I'm not the princess in the pee, but... It's yeah, look, I, company. I, I don't un- know to, like, in real life understand uh, alcoholic addictive behavior. I know for some people, yeah, they do hide bottles in the stove. Hopefully yeah. they remember to take it out. Yeah. But generally, isn't that like they're trying to hide that from somebody? Well, they did talk know. about in the episode The Shame, right? Mm, right. Because in all seriousness, like Carrie could have really gotten out of it by saying it was self-defense. Yeah. But she was supposedly, supposedly ashamed of it. So so yeah. perhaps it's a shame thing of hiding it or, you know, who knows? I, I, I'm really surprised also that if, since it was only all vodka, why there wasn't that sort of, you know, smelling of a water bottle. Like, you know, she yeah. could have yeah. hit it in other places. Um, and zero glasses of orange juice. I just feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard too because I also don't get of all the places for Carrie to hide her birth control was in a common area. <laughs> oh, yeah. These pots and pans haven't been used in so long they got cobwebs on them. Sounds like the ones in my kitchen. Hey, check this out. I found it underneath the cabinet. Birth control pills. Described to Carrie by the free clinic? Hmm. Carrie was on day six of her period. Like oh I my, give her, yeah. I give her props for taping it above. I think that was really smart. But you do that in your own room. That's right. Say, oh, this is the one place mom isn't hiding bottles. Exactly. I can, yeah. yeah. Unless, of course, her mother always like you know ransacked her room. So right. she was looking in more places. By the way, this had been a murder scene with about twenty detectives there. They didn't find one goddamn bottle. Nope. And they were literally everywhere. Well, I mean, literally. they were looking. I mean, real like, are you looking for? That uh, they know what the murder weapon is. So, I, would you really be looking in the hamper? But this is and when everywhere? the trial was happening. This was not like the day after the murder, where like they hadn't like looked yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was but the why? trial. I'm, I'm seriously asking. Like, <laughs> but but if you were like, all right, well, we don't need to look for the the weapon. We know what happened. Why would you search the whole place? Well, I mean, I just see like, in other episodes, like the crime oh, scene, people okay. say, you know, well, we found semen behind the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, as so, one does, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> but we missed fifty-seven bottles of vodka <laughs> everywhere, everywhere, in every drawer. Then we just didn't know what we were looking for. <laughs> By the oh, way, you man. know that Stabler's biggest fear in the world is to find his daughter's hidden package of birth control pills in the house. 
Kathleen, we need to talk. (laughs) Definitely. He's definitely a guy with a a shotgun. Uh, Figuratively, obviously, because it's, you know. No, he actually does have a gun. (laughs) I mean, he obviously has a gun. He has mace. He has handcuffs. (laughs) My favorite all-time scene with Stabler. Remember when he's in the car with young Kathleen or Maureen or whatever, and they come across that that site where there's like a dead guy on the beach, and he's like, stay in the car. And then two seconds later, she's out of the car going like, ah, and it's like, those kids don't fucking listen to you at all, yeah. Stabler. <laughs> so there is this scene with Benson and Novak at the bar mm-hmm. where she explains a story about her mother. Uh, and it closes the loop on two plot points we talked about from season one. First, in that Lolita episode, Olivia had said she had a romantic relationship with an older man. How old were you? Almost 17. And he was? Older than 17. About as old as I am now. And I'll tell you something. I couldn't have loved him more. Yeah. And it was true love. And, you know, it was very, seemed like not very Olivia Benson, but, you know, that was 20 oh, years ago. Young. Yeah. And uh, we know that her relationship with her alcoholic mother had been strained. They had been estranged. Uh, but we hear the story of sort of how it ended. She found out and she told me that if I didn't stop seeing him, that she would have him kicked out of college. She was halfway through a bottle of vodka and she dropped it. And then she picked up the jagged edge of the bottle and... She came at me, screaming, I'll never let anyone else have you. And so I kicked her, and she went flying across the room into the wall, and she slid down to the floor. You didn't kill your mother, Olivia. I know what it's like to want to. Of course, except with the exception of that very nice lunch they had in the pilot episode. Where they're both drinking wine? Yeah, where they both <laughs> retconned her addiction. <laughs> A lot of this was retconned. We never heard before that her mother was a college professor. I know. I think we had. We had. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just see retcon mania all over this thing. I, I mean, really, how can really you do. though? I mean, the the show has been on for so long. It's in so many universes. Mm-hmm. It, it's so many different writers. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of having a Bible. You're supposed to have a Bible, but mm-hmm. how the Bible must be huge. By now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, you know what they should do is for for shows like this is they should hire a fan <laughs> to yes. be the Bible. You mean like the Law and Order Wiki community that we use to make this stupid podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay people for this. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait! You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. Can't wait. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the 
This story takes its cues from the 1998 murder of Vicky Robinson. The 49-year-old Florida woman had been quarrelling with her daughter about her new boyfriend. Investigators say she planned to send 15-year-old Valessa Robinson to reform school due to her wild ways and relationship with ex-con Adam Davis. After doing drugs, Valessa, Davis and a friend named John Whispell concocted a plan to kill Vicky. Her daughter helped hold her down while Davis injected her with a syringe filled with bleach. When that didn't kill her, he stabbed her to death. They stuffed her body in a rubbish can and left it in the woods. The three took Vicky's credit cards, fled the state and went on a drugs buying spree. They were captured after a high-speed chase in Texas. The three defendants maintained their solidarity until Whispell cooperated with authorities. Valessa Robinson served 13 years in prison and John Whispell was released this past October. Adam Davis was convicted, but his death penalty sentence was vacated in 2017. Prosecutors plan on asking a jury to reinstate the sentence. Okay, so not the best executed murder ever. No. The original plan was to shoot up the mother with heroin for an overdose. And they settled on bleach because they couldn't find anyone who'd sell them heroin. Right. But they did get a needle. Yeah, but I have a question. Is it true that shooting somebody up with bleach will not kill them? How is that possible? Well, I think it depends on, um, you know, the amount and mm. things the brand. like that. The Store brand. brand doesn't work, but Clorox will. But how did that go down? Like, they trying to do this and they go to the sh- guy in the street. He's like, hey, man, you got any horse? I said, all I got is this empty syringe. Oh, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll improvise. Yeah, it's not well executed. It sounds like it was done by a bunch of drunk slash high teenagers is what it sounds like. So they find the body in uh, a garbage can in the woods. And not because they wanted to leave it there, but because they had a hard time digging a hole. Mm. So they were going to leave it for later. Like they're going to come back and complete the job. Fucking teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I do think this is obviously a horrible violent crime. And we're not making light of the fact that this woman was murdered. I do think, though that people tend to underestimate how difficult it is to dig a giant hole. This happens all the time, right? Especially when you're on LSD. Isn't this how how bodies are found all the time? Because people set out to dig a grave and then they just give up and it's super shallow and they just throw the person in a ditch and cover them with leaves? Like that happens like more frequently than you'd imagine, right? Yeah. So Lauren, have you ever even like tried to dig a hole, like like plant a bush or something? No. It's definitely not easy. No, but I can only imagine... Uh, I, I do not have Brooklyn. a green thumb at all. Um, I was wondering in the movies when they got like this six foot hole, like how did that guy get out of it? Well, isn't True. that why they, they say sleeping with the fishes? I mean, most people just throw it in the water. Yeah. Even See, the professionals know. Yeah, they were in Tampa. That was Tampa? Yeah. Of course it was Tampa. Yeah. Of course. So I want to ask the, the two of you feminists. Yes. Uh, if you and had a, you. You're if, a feminist, Kevin. If you had a 15 year old daughter who was dating a 19-year-old ex-convict, would you be cool with it? I, I would not be cool with the ex-convict part, no. I don't think it's I don't think that's a feminist question. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, 15 and 19 is, the age difference is a lot. We definitely have some conversations about that. But the more important conversations would be about him being an ex-convict, in my opinion. Uh, I think that that's a really big age gap. Um, in Whereas to, if they were older, it wouldn't be. But at that age, the maturity, the experience that you have... Uh, I would I would say no, but that's always hard, right? Because as a parent, when you say no, they're going to want it more. 
Yeah. You know, now, not that you'd get a vote, but what about if your 25 year old daughter were dating a 29 totally year old different ex convict? No, I mean, well, that's I mean, you that's don't, the thing, you don't have, but you don't have a say at that point. I know you don't. Have, daughter would you adult. be comfortable with it? A, it would depend on the crime, uh-huh. what the con was had been convicted for. Violent crime, mm-hmm. not violent crime. Exactly, yeah. but also you don't have a say at that point. All you can do no, is like, give your best. But the, the question that I would ask my kids if they were dating somebody who was four years older and they were in their early teens, which 15 is, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would say. Think about what kind of 19-year-old would want to date a 15-year-old. Yeah. Imagine, do, would you be interested sexually in an 11-year-old? I mean, that would be the question Whoa. I would be asking, because that's a 15 oh. and 11. It's the same age difference. Oh, right, it's right. It's creepy. You See, that's, that's why I feel right, like okay. the, the 19 and the 15 is still, you know, if it was, again, older, not a huge deal, that difference is, because you're right. What kind of person is doing that? Which is why even with this, you know, the the story in Intoxicated, we're like, well, trying to think of a backstory as to why this nice kid seems to be going for a 15 year old. There's there's something wrong with that. I mean, you sh- she's sweet. That's why she's not she's sweet. sweet. She's, she's not. Yeah. She's not sweet. But uh, again, <laughs> th- assuming he didn't know her age when she met her, she lied. A lot of times these these boys, you know, are going with their hormones and they don't realize you know what they're doing. Um, I've had conversations sometimes with certain men about this. Is that well? She wanted to. She was willing. You have to understand that there is a nuance there, and that you know it's a form of a manipulation. Whether Power you're dynamics. trying to manipulate this 15 year old or not, you are manipulating her because you're older and you know more, and she just shouldn't be doing that yet. Yeah, and the law says at that age she actually cannot consent. Yeah, which is the whole point of the thing. Yeah, statutory rape. It's rape, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's there for a reason. I mean, but then you go into the whole thing of, you know, the, the technicality, right? I mean, wasn't there like a countdown to when Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen turned like 21 or 18 mm. or something? You know, like, well, now technically it's okay. It's gross. It's gross because in different countries, it's different ages. Yeah. In different right. states, yeah. it's different ages. So what do you mean? Like, technically, like, it's, it's a very fine line. It's also gross because Mary-Kate and Ashley Ols- Olsen continue to look like six-year-old girls even though they're like in their 30s now. Yeah. So yeah. it's extra gross. Yeah. It's extra gross. So Adam... Not not on them. On the people. On the other people, I mean. I just want to be very clear. I'm not saying Mary-Kate and Ashley are gross. It's the other people that are gross. So Adam Rattlesnake Davis... Oh my God. Uh, ...was convicted, but the jury vote on the death penalty was seven to five, oh. which at the time was enough. But a recent state Supreme Court case... Yes. ...says it has to be unanimous. Yes. So the penalty is vacated, not the conviction. Correct. So that penalty phase will begin soon. Now, a local newspaper reported that Adam Rattlesnake Davis uh, (laughs) Thank you for saying Rattlesnake You keep saying that, right? Yeah. (laughs) The newspaper reported he discussed his new defense arguments with visitors at the jail, Mm -hmm. which were recorded. So he wants to argue that he had a rough life before committing the murder. And so he was warning to family members, quote, I want to bring up everything that happened in the past. It's going to bring up dirt. I wanted to warn you. Mm. And the woman he was with says, what do you mean? He says, well, like, for instance, when I sat in the room on restriction and I had to sit on the bed. <laughs> and you remember when you made some Velveeta macaroni and cheese and it had broccoli in it? I hate broccoli. You got mad because I wanted to eat it, so you made me eat it. <laughs> Is this how we got the name Rattlesnake? Because he's that tough. Oh he's that tough. He's so tough. 
<laughs> I had such a such a hard life. Why come? How come we never went skiing? <laughs> we never went on any family vacations to Europe. Yeah. And the cramps were really bad too. Oh, stop it! That's real. <laughs> hey, that's gonna do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Lauren Milberger. Lauren, where can our listeners follow you online? They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Milberger, M-I-L-B-E-R-G-E-R. I'm enough characters. It's great. Uh, and my podcast, uh, the Murphy Brown Podcast, is Murphy Brown Pod all over everything, including our website. You can find us on all of the places that you listen to podcasts. And we have the cast and crew on. Uh, we've had uh, TV historians. And pretty much as we go through the show... Uh, episode by episode as well and talk about sort of the relevance to today from the 90s uh, in It's a Lot. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter or Instagram, I'm Reb Lavoie and you can also listen to Crime Writers On or You Can't Make This Up from Netflix. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys, line editing by Henry Lavoie, content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com for our newsletter and a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.